opened the door to the most powerful room in housing, built for mortgage executives, real estate leaders, and the rising stars that drive innovation and progress. The gathering will feature over 45 powerful speakers on stage in Scottsdale, Arizona from April 21st to 24th. Learn more and register now at housingwirethegathering.com. Welcome, everyone. My guest today is lead analyst Logan Motoshami to talk about the Fed meeting and what we should expect for rate cuts this year. First, I want to say thank you to our sponsor, Truve. All right, let's dive in. Logan, welcome back to the podcast on Fed Day. It is wonderful to be here, Sarah. Yes, it is Fed Day, and they are doing what they do. They're going to be slow on this one, but um, a little bit more clarity maybe for some other people going out for the rest of the year. Okay, let's start at the top. Um, what did what what was the announcement, and then what what did you learn in the press conference afterwards? My first take on the announcement is like the grumpy old Fed members that are still worried about the 1970s, they wanted some kind of language in there to like, you know, just in case, just in, just in case if everything that's happened in the last six to seven months turns, right? Like in the 1970s, like if something just happens inexplicably and, you know, they want to leave a little wiggle room. So uh, that was part of the greater confidence. Yeah, we're, we're, we're going to do this, but, you know, we have some really old people here that are just, you know, are going to be grumpy. So the two-year yield, actually, I, I always t- I always tell people at this point of the cycle, the 10-year yield is one thing, but the two-year yield is really going to be your guide to uh, how many rate cuts. And it's been calling for rate cuts for, for some time, but initially went up. And now as the presser went on, it's gone down. So I'm basically the same view that I have. Uh, three rate cuts are in and priced in already. It is notable that they finally came out and said, Sarah, you'll be shocked. They said higher mortgage rates impacted housing. <laughs> they, they did it. News alert. Know, news and, alert. We did not. Alert, no one knew that. 8% mortgage rates. You know, you know what? One thing, I mean, the one blessing in disguise of last year, it was really evident that when the 10-year yield went to 5% and, and we had 8% mortgage rates, that was that was too much, you know. That's what we went from. We went from okay, we're going to be hawkish to oh, what the hell's going on? To oh my god, we're really restrictive. So when Powell said really restrictive, that should have been code to everyone that that they were not happy with that. So now they kind of said okay, business investments, higher interest rates is, is impacting business investment. Uh, that that's 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 key to go out in the future. They they don't want to see that get worse, and of course, housing got hit. As a ten-year yield has come down and mortgage rates have come down, it, it's it's picked up a little bit. But you know they're they're going to go and and if they saw labor market weakness, they'll change. So it's basically the same thing we've always said: labor over inflation. Because we're we're actually making fun. They're like, well, we just want to see the same things continue before we commit. I was like, there's six months of core PCE being low. What do you need? Seven months? You know, is that, do we need seven or six or eight? Which one? But there's going to be a lot of data between now and March. So I know some people say March is completely out of play. I, I don't agree. I think uh, uh, depending on what the data comes in, but it's going to be slow. It's just going to be slow, not to my liking, but uh, they, they did make it clear that if the labor market did get weaker, and again, 
everything revolves around jobless claims, right? Uh, if jobless claims start to break up higher on them, they will they will flip, right? They're flippers on that side. Uh, but the jobless claims data has not turned. They did talk about the job openings data, which they said job openings is not back to pre-COVID level. So I think for, for those that remember, that was one of the talking points I've had in the last 18 months. They probably would like to see job openings at 7 million, which they don't need. You don't need that. The quits percentage of job openings data is pre-COVID. The hires data is pre-COVID. The job openings data is no longer tight, right? So it's like kicking and screaming the last few grumpy Fed members who are like really hawks. Uh, um, so in, in that sense, it's frustrating, you know, cause a lot of the data lines, they say they need to, to see it get softer has already gotten there. But, uh, for now, same thing as always three rate cuts priced in. If the labor data gets weaker, if claims goes up, then you'll, you'll get more action. Uh, but the one positive, like everything, what happened last year when the 10 year old got to 5%, it's no. So we broke under 4% again, everyone. We all survived another 4% tenure. Oh my. So for those that don't get this joke, uh, in 2018, whenever the tenure yield got to 3%, Wall Street cried Armageddon because they're a big bunch of babies. And uh, we survived it. And then so the joke is whenever we get over 3%, we come back down, we survive 4%, we come down, we survive 5%, we came down and survived 4%. We're down seven times so far in 2024. So bond yields have come down. Uh, and I was asked a good question. A lot of somebody asked me, is the BRICS have to do? Listen, everyone, whoever's telling you about the BRICS and the dollar demise, they have to go to rehab. Okay. They're on some really, really bad drugs. Okay. The whole dollar collapsing BRICS, you know, no, don't, don't, don't associate yourself with those kind of people. Those people are crazy, right? Uh, so don't worry about that. Technically speaking, the 10-year yield went from 5 to 380. Go look at a line, 10-year yield chart. That, th- that 380 line was a, was a good resistance. We bounced off of that. We have four and a quarter as the peak level this year. Four and a quarter. We didn't hit it. We got close. We broke down. So we're under 4%. So everything looks kind of right to me. If the 10-year yield had gotten above four and a quarter and all that stuff, we're, we're well, oh, hell no. We don't need to do that anymore. But so far it hasn't. So in the right direction, it's just slow. It's just slow. That's all it is. It's just one of these things that reaffirms that we just keep on needing, we keep on seeing the right data. It's just like, okay, tell me how things are going to accelerate higher, right? And I think that's that's the the questions more and more people should be asking. How do, how do all of a sudden we have strong growth? And they finally kind of admitted it that, you know what? We really don't need a job loss recession or the labor market get a break. We had the growth rate of inflation fall with labor market fine, growth doing good, all this stuff. And oh my God, miraculously, the growth rate of inflation fell. I wonder why it's a global pandemic. So as of right now, just think of it as this way, three rate cuts, labor data gets weaker, they'll be more aggressive. The bond market will shoot the 10-year yield down if that's the case, uh, beneficial to housing, of course. Remember, always remember, if people try to tell you that a job loss recession, all hell will break loose. These are the same people that in COVID-19 said the same thing, that 20 to 30 million people lost their jobs, 5 million for demand. Demand came back six weeks before these trolling people could even create YouTube videos to say how it already came back, right? Because we have 157 million people working. We cannot simply lose enough workers to offset the beneficials of lower rates, right? That's how it's always worked since the Peloponnesian War. So that that is now officially been put out there by Powell that if the labor data gets weaker, we'll act faster. 
So we're in the, we're in this stage now. Again, too slow for my taste, but it's the Fed. So I mean, you you've said as far back as December, maybe in November, looking at the data that if it if it was you, if you were in charge of the Fed, you would price in three rate cuts right away. Like you would you would. I would have already cut seventy five basis points today, but then again, I wouldn't have raised the last one and a half percent because I, I nobody spiked my eggnog. Okay, <laughs> I'm like okay, it's a global pandemic. I would have stuck to the original premise that we want. We want the Fed funds rate to mirror three, six, 12 month core PCE, and we're restrictive. So you don't want to risk that at this point. So it is it is good that they said they're seeing business capital investment, right? As short term rates go up, the cost of capital, the apartment boom is over. Of course, mortgage rates getting to 8%, housing got hit, you know, construction workers are at risk usually before the recession. So there there is some good that there's a realization they overdid it. But again, they're just going to be slow. So because I know they're slow, it's not that shocking, but there's a pathway here right now. We finally got out of the over, we don't need to you know, create a job loss, all that stuff. They've kind of pulled back and said, yeah, we kind of didn't need, need that to happen. So uh, um, there's some positive, but again, it's just the, the slowness factor of this. Uh, uh, but again, the 10-year yield still was trading above uh, below 4%. The two-year yield had bounced up initially and it came back down. So it, considering everything else, this is uh, a, a, as good as you could come with the Fed, uh, f- uh, the Fed uh, speaking in the regards to what the data is telling us recently. Dive into the insights of top-tier real estate executives, brokers, team leaders, and agents on The Real Trending Podcast, hosted by Tracy Velt. Discover strategies to elevate your business, innovate your marketing, benchmark performance, and more. Tune in every Monday morning for an interview tailored specifically for real estate professionals. Available anywhere you listen to podcasts. So you have been firm that you do not believe that we have seen a Fed pivot yet, that this, and nothing that's happened so far is a Fed pivot. They have reacted to some things going on. So tell us what a Fed pivot would look like. And do you expect that between here and March? No, a Fed Fed pivot would be, we we are changing from being kind of restrictive balance to going to accommodative, right? And that means we're cutting rates to where three, six, 12 month core PCE is that's you're, you're getting two percentage of rate cuts in. That's a pivot because that means we're changing the entire game here. We are still restrictive. I mean, the fed funds are like, we're the reason I can't say a pivot, a pivot with the fed funds rate where it is and the 10 year yield where it's in, it's restrictive, right? Um, if the 10 year yield is below 3% spreads are getting better where we are pricing in six rate cuts. That's, that's a pivot. Fed, fed hasn't given you that. Uh, they're just, oh, they're just dragging those last angry baby boomers. Come on. Uh, no, you got to say we if something happens like in the 1970s, I want some wiggle room. Whatever, dude. OK, so um, so that's not a pivot in my a pivot is, you know, there's there's two ways to look at a pivot. The labor market makes you pivot. That's the jobless claims. That's why we always since 2022, we said claims is that line. Now we have affirmation about it. They've they've come out and said, if the labor market gets weaker, we're going to cut faster. There's your pivot, right? So, so far, not here. Uh, um, Or for some reason, they become very concerned about something. And even with the labor market tight, they pivot anyway. They haven't done that. So this is not 
not a not a pivot, but again, they've given you the groundwork of what it is. And Jerome Powell said, labor market, if the labor market gets weaker, we'll cut faster. So that 323,000, you just don't want to wait to that spot. That's the frustrating. I don't want to get to that spot and all of a sudden, okay, now we'll start cutting. But then it's going to be like six to eight meetings before they cut. It gets down to core PCE and all that. It just takes way too long. So you want to get kind of ahead of the curve. So we have a lot of data between now and March. So I know a lot of people don't think March is in play, but let's see. We got the revisions on CPI coming up on February 9th and some other data. So we'll, we'll take it. But my God, it's just like, what else do you need to see? It's six months, three, six month core PCs below 2%, your target. What do you want? Seven months. I want seven. Oh, you want seven? What about eight? Oh, man, eight will be good. It's, it's the trend. So I think people have to start like talking about what will make the US economy boom so much higher that growth and inflation and everything will take off of just a massive booming economy with population growth where it is. That's where I'm hoping people could give us like reasons why we still have to be here rather than, you know, oh, you there there's pirates attacking ships. That's inflationary. The Fed has to kill it. No, no. We have terrorists attacking ships. They're probably going, yes, let's attack some ships. The Fed will hike rates and hit American consumers. No, we don't do that game either. So hopefully they're not even contemplating that as uh, aiding the terrorist pirates out there, and you know, hurting American consumers. Okay, so I didn't get to listen to uh, the press conference. Um, I was in meetings. So what makes you confident that March rate rate cuts are going to happen versus you say other people are saying no? I, I wouldn't say it's confident that it'll happen. It, I'm, I'm more confident that it's in play because they talk about we need more data to you know verify that a cut could happen. I, I Personally, the grumpy people don't want to cut rates, right? I, I get that. But we, we've got a lot of things between now and the March meeting that could enhance that. Again, I like I said, repeat after me, core PCE three, six month is under 2%. The PCE deflator GDP, two quarters, 2%. The quits ratio percentage is below pre-COVID levels. The highest uh, rates on the job openings data is below. These are the things they told us to track and they're there. And they haven't cut rates yet. And the 10-year yield is still slightly below 4%. So they haven't pivoted. But as the data moves on, they're starting to trap themselves even more and more by these statements. So we're kind of making fun. Really? So six months of data is not going, going in the way you want it is not good enough, but seven months be? So we'll wait seven months. We'll wait till February and March data. So you got some things in play, but... Um, Remember the two-year yield's your key here. So the two-year yield has gone down a lot. It's not gone down because we have a banking crisis. It's gone down because the, the market is already priced in rate cuts. You go with that right now. So as long as the two-year yield is down to four and a quarter, we got three rate cuts in for 2024. Uh, um, if the economic data gets weaker, that two-year yield will get ahead of the Fed, right? The Fed is an institution. It's slow, but the bond market isn't. Bond market will roil over you. We had the two-year yield go down during the banking crisis because they thought the Fed would pivot. They didn't. So now we're doing this with the economic data, with growth fine, with the labor market still working. Uh, so there's your key that we have rate cuts, you know, March, May, you know, we're, we're all debating where it is. But uh, if, you're, if you're in the five to six rate cut camp, you're probably going to need labor data to get weaker, as uh, Jerome Powell said today. We'll cut more if the labor market gets weaker, but we're not there yet on the jobless claims data. 
You know, for the housing market, obviously mortgage rates are so key. Uh, just like you said, you know, oh, you know, newsflash, the Fed finally figured out higher rates are bad is bad for housing. But like the difference between rate cuts in March and rate cuts in May is pretty significant if you're in housing because you're trying to see that spring home buying season and just, you know, that would that would juice the the system better, don't you think? Well, here's the thing. We have this massive move in rates in the 10-year yield without a rate cut, you know, uh, but the forward guidance, you know, when, when the market believes there's no more rate hikes, it's different now. So to me, technically, that 10-year yield at 3.80 right now is going to be a, a tough one to break. But once we break that, we could go down and, you know, even test the Gandalf line. We're getting growth. I know today's purchase application data was negative 11% week to week, still down 20%. Remember, the comps were, were difficult on a year-over-year -year basis. We're getting growth, but we're not getting what we're, we're accustomed to, to a real strong rebound because we're working from such a low level. So um, the Fed acknowledged that housing is getting hit. The Fed is not really, at least not that, not that I heard today. Uh, I know he's still talking, doing anything to help the housing market. Uh, at some point, they're going to have to say something. But as of right now, again, they just kind of left it, let it go uh, out there. So I, 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 I always tell people, just focus on the claims data. If you get jobless claims trending higher, heading toward 323,000, the bond market will do a lot of the Fed's work for them. Uh, um, the capital investment side is going to be a little bit more problematic because short-term rates don't move as fast as long-term rates do. So uh, it's a grind. You know, I, I don't think a lot of people religiously track the 10-year yield and economic data in the Fed. That's why you don't really have other housing economists probably do that on a daily basis. I have nothing else to do in my life but this. Uh, so we'll keep an eye on everything. But at least now, some people have got clarity. And again, Everyone, if you really want to know about rate cuts, instead, you know, you got the 10 year yield on one chart, have a two year yield on that. The two year yield's your guide here. We got three rate cuts in for this year. If there's more, that's probably most likely because the labor data is getting weaker or the inflation data gets even, uh, uh, the growth rate slows even faster. That might be the other reason. But I could just see them. They're probably these the hawks that are left in there are just like, oh, no, you got to put something in for us. I don't want to cut. I don't want to cut in March. What else are you looking at this week? I know we have a lot of reports, a lot of economic data. So we have jobs week. Okay, so we have two of the jobs reports. The job openings data, the headline job openings data uh, uh, went up a little bit of the job, the job opening summer itself, but the quits percentage is below uh, uh, pre-COVID levels. The hires are down. So you got to remember with all my economic work, the labor side, <coughs> job openings, 10 million, we got up to 12 million. We're going to get all the jobs back, lost to COVID by September 2022, check jobs data search slow down once we get to 157 to 159 million we're there so the whole covid-19 recovery model and what we talked about the labor is here job growth should be slowing down uh the the federal reserve talked about this how the labor force growth didn't really pick up in 2022 but it did pick up in 2023 uh immigration picked up again uh so we're getting we're getting some of these jobs filled the job openings data is falling but the quits percentage tells you that it's not tight anymore uh, wage growth, the, the uh, employment cost index that came out today, that slowed down more noticeably. That's another Fed 
wage tracker that they they keep an eye on. So there's a lot of things that are saying, you know, things are balancing out on the labor side. We have job, by the time this podcast comes out, jobless claims will come out. Uh, and then we have jobs Friday. And again, wage growth slowing down what the Fed wants. Labor force is already, I think the whole labor force thing is, uh, the, the jobs data has already been done with. I, I think hopefully by now they realize you don't need to create a recession, but the job growth number should slow down. Remember, jobs slowing down and breaking are two different things, right? That's why we focus people on the claims data. Uh, purchase application data today, um, you know, wh- when we look at what happened from November, it's funny, November 9th of 2022, uh, it was November 8th in 2023. Uh, funny how that works. Um, eight of the last nine weeks have been a positive trend. I don't count the last few weeks of the year, the first week. The first week was even positive. I throw that out. So the forward-looking data is still positive. Uh, this week, we had a negative 11%. There's going to be weeks where we get bigger percentages of declines or positive numbers. You want to look at the trend, right? So there were some people that are like, oh my God, nobody wants to buy a house. Trend people right? You want to take an aggregate trend. It's like we could have like 15 weeks of positive data and then we'll have one negative week and I was like, home prices are too high. And it's just like, oh, Sarah, some, some people just, oh, they bug. Um, so the trend is still there. It's just not, we just don't have that. What we, what, what we saw during COVID, a very strong reacceleration in demand. Again, affordability is here. Remember, do not fall for the low inventory trap. Okay, there's going to be people that are going to say there's no homes to buy. Literally, home sales were at pre-cycle highs with inventory at all-time lows. Okay, that's a gimmick, right? So ask everybody if they say, well, purchase application data didn't rise because there's no homes to buy. Seriously, we had lower inventory and higher demand, right? This is a demand. This is a supply and demand thing. If rates fall down, demand picks up, home sales rise. Keep it as simple as that. Don't get stuck on the mortgage rate lockdown or the low inventory people, right? Uh, uh, follow the data as it's been telling us since 2010. 10-year yield, revol- the housing market totally revolves around the 10-year yield. We go with that. So where are mortgage rates today as of this moment with the 10-year yield there and with, with Powell talking? I, I mean, the m- mortgage rate pricing should be uh, noticeably lower today. The 10-year yield uh, had broken down. Uh, it's interesting the job openings data, the 10-year yield shot up and then just went all the way back down toward the end of the day and the 10-year yield broke under 4%. So r- rates rates should be uh, pricing better today. And again, what drives the 10-year yield? There's You see a lot of noise of what people talk about. Somebody brought the bricks up for the 10-year yield. F- Fed expectations and macro, right? Think macro and Fed expectations. Those things ride it. And I think a really good key was we actually had the 10-year yield lower with the growth rate of inflation higher, right? So how did that happen, right? So uh, market expectations, inflation expectations, macro data, those things are the one things that really drive uh, uh, um, the the data. So the 10-year yield came down, bounced a little bit on the Fed things, and then came right back down. So we're in a good spot considering, but again, we are still near 4%. We are near 4% with core three and six month PCE with a one handle. Oh my. So just remember, don't put all your eggs into the inflation basket, labor data, paper, rock, scissors, labor over inflation. And the Fed gave you that today. They basically said, ah, the labor data gets weaker. We're definitely have to cut faster. So 
I prefer to get ahead of the curve. I do not want them to wait till 323,000 on the jobless claims all of a sudden go, hmm, that appears that the labor market's getting, we're, we're going to cut quarter percent every meeting right now. Seriously, come on. Don't so, be old and slow is, is don't be old the slow. motto of this episode. Logan, love having you on as usual. Thanks for listening to everything that Powell is saying and, and giving us your take. It's very valuable. We appreciate you. And by the way, Sarah Wheeler, Kansas City Chief fan. Yes. Logan Moshami, 49er fan. So we should have played you guys last year, but Brock Purdy got hurt. And this time, you know, we're going to have to do a little bit more trash talking. Uh, um, yes. So, and this time you're going to have to put your money where your mouth is because your team's actually going to make it there. Yeah. And your team's going to lose. <laughs> so uh, uh, Brock Purdy couldn't play last year. Too bad we didn't have a chance, but uh, uh, it should be a very exciting uh, getting up there to the Las Vegas Super Bowl. Okay. So next week we'll have to wear our gear as we go into the Super Bowl. Because, Absolutely. You know, we each have our- Absolutely. You have more than I do. You have like head to toe. I've seen your, on Instagram, you've got like a hat and a scarf and I mean, it's a whole thing. Sarah, the the last 49er game I went to was uh, the San Francisco 49ers playing the New York Giants in the NFC Championship game in Candlestick Park. And I was just covered with every 49er, my socks, headband, everything, you know, gloves. I got it all. So uh, we are the diehard 49er fans. We travel well. Bang, bang, Niner gang. We are ready and we can't wait because it's our turn. Just like the Goonies, it's our turn. No, no, no. See, who do we have on our side? Who's the who's the going to provide the extra Listen, magic Swift, touch? Swifties, Swifties, Swifties aren't going to stop McCaffrey and Debo Samuels. I'm sorry. They can sit there all they want. Oh, no, okay? but, so, but her boyfriend is. So we're, we're super excited about it. So this is going to be a great game. I can't wait, Logan Motoshami, for you to have to be the one who's like, oh, I lost. You're right. I lost and you won. So Sarah, you could wait in line on that train. And it's a long, long, long line for that train to take off. And it's not happening. We we will see. We will see. And listeners, you will be uh, privy to this. You will be able to see this as we do. Hoping, fingers crossed, I'm not going to lose again. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Logan. We will have you on again very soon. Thanks for today. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening, and thank you to our sponsor, Truve. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to take a minute to rate the show and leave a comment. And make sure to tune in tomorrow for more news and insight.